listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in. We are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. This week, uh, we're feeling a little under the weather, uh, mostly in both the figurative and probably the literal sense in the wor- of the word, just because of how these uh, weather changes have occurred back and forth, you know, it's 71 day and 50 the next, it's been wreaking havoc apparently on both myself and my co-host, uh, IBI editor-in-chief Justin Lotta. Justin, how are you doing today other than the, uh, other than this, uh, weird, uh, other than this weird, uh, illness type thing we've been dealing with? I'm really looking forward to our Marlins roster game. I plan a nice list of names to throw at you to see how this goes. So let's get through the, the actual baseball stuff and quickly and let's do our game. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> get to the important stuff. Uh, I've actually uh, played it honest this week. I have not looked up the Miami Marlins roster once. Thankfully, I've been busy enough that uh, the thought hasn't occurred to me a lot since uh, last week's show, but we will be sure to get to that. Uh, so before we get to that, though, we got some headlines to cover. Uh, we have, of course, Francisco Lindor making a triumphant return from the injured list. Uh with Hanley Ramirez being designated for assignment to make room for him on the roster. Uh, Lindor uh, hits a home run, and, uh, you know, he's not, doesn't have a lot of hits so far in his first few games, but right now it's just good to have him back in the lineup and good to have him back at short. So uh, things are starting to look up a little more. Uh, One piece after another is starting to uh, come together for the Indians. You know, they also selected the contract to Tyro Clippard from Columbus to join the bullpen. And, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, things are slowly but surely starting to come together. Other than uh, Mike Clevenger's injury, uh, they're starting to uh, round into form and put some of these uh, injuries behind them. Yeah, I mean, even looking at the lineup still, I'm not overly excited for it. I mean, I, I just looked at the lineup that came out today, and it's probably their best lineup uh, against the uh, Houston Astros on Thursday as we recorded this. It looks like their best lineup on paper all year so far. It's not saying much, but I still feel like it's not all that good enough, even though it's their best lineup they've been able to put on the field so far in 2019. But it is nice to have Lindor back. He does make the lineup a little bit longer, gets our switch hitter in there, and Hopefully it's having a positive impact. Jose Ramirez had a big day finally. Yeah, it's uh, definitely great to see everybody back in Cleveland. Lindor, Kipnis, now Tyler Clippard. Um, and uh, so at this point, uh, I don't know what the expectation is for Lindor. You just hope that it doesn't have lingering effects, both this calf injury and this ankle sprain that he had. I mean, he's hitting pretty the ball pretty well in Columbus. And he already has a home run since coming back up to Cleveland. But now you just got to watch as the weeks go on and see what his performance looks like. He's still young enough, as we've said before, where he should be able to bounce back with no problem. But we've seen these injuries uh, have 
sometimes have lingering effects if they're ill-timed enough, and Lindor missing all of spring training was about as ill-timed as you could get, and um, what what I'm uh, concerned with now is, you know, what this outfield is going to look like. I mean, we talked about... Uh, uh, there's a lot of chatter on Twitter about Oscar Mercado being red hot in Columbus, which he is, and... You know, guys like Greg Allen aren't hitting the ball so well. And Jake Bowers has his hits here and there, but he's not uh, doing as well as maybe as maybe was expected. Uh, how What are the expectations realistically for Carlos Gonzalez? Is he going to even play the outfield every day? Um, Leonis Martin's kind of been up and down to start the year. So uh, I think that now that the infield is rounding into shape a little bit, uh, the focus has to be on the outfield, as it was pretty much all the offseason with uh, Michael Brantley departing and uh, – uh, Melky Cabrera, so many others. Tyler Naquin's another name who's, you know, had his ups and downs this year. But overall, I think we both agree he's a guy who probably doesn't fit into the Indians' long-term plans. Uh, where do you think this, uh, the focus of this team is now that uh, the infield's back in uh, full, back at full strength? The bullpen is rounding into shape now that Tyler Clippard is joining the joining the group. Uh, does this? Does the focus now shift on the outfield and trying to see if they can uh, make some sense of the guys they have in Cleveland? They've already shuffled some guys around with uh, Jordan Luplo going down and, of course, Carlos Gonzalez coming up. Uh, you know, how do, how do they address this? Is that, Are we going to see a potential Oscar Mercado call-up soon? Uh, what are your t- What is your take on the Indians' outfield? I think the Indians... I think the only thing that's really said is the infield. I think the bullpen's still in flux. They're going to shuffle through guys to see who's going to help them all year. I don't know if Neil Ramirez is going to be here all year. Same with Tyler Olson. Those guys don't have options, so if they were to you know cut bait with them, they might lose them on waivers. So I could see those two guys not having a job all year. I still think they need to add another bullpen piece, even if Tyler Clifford ends up being good. The outfield, same thing. I think they don't know what they have in Carlos Gonzalez yet. There's clearly no room for Greg Allen. That's the thing that really confuses me. There's obviously no room for Greg Allen because he's barely playing. He's got Bowers in left most nights. Martin starting in center every night. And then right field's been a flux of Naquin, Carlos Gonzalez, and then occasionally you're putting Greg Allen in left field when, when uh, Naquin's in right. So it's just so weird that he's just sitting on a roster not doing a whole lot, and they've tried to platoon him against right-handers. And... You know, he's not really fit to be a platoon player. So I really don't know where the outfield fits. Tyler Naquin, to me, is... I think everybody who, who listens to me say anything about baseball, and that's how I feel about Tyler Naquin, I think he is the most logical candidate to go for Oscar Mercado, even though I think that Greg Allen needs to play every day, even though I don't think... Playing in AAA is not going to help Greg Allen at this point, but sitting on a bench sure doesn't help me either. But if it were up to me... Oscar Mercado would be up in the next two weeks, and Tyler Nagel would be back in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. Does Tyler Nagel still has an option left? Doesn't he? He does, just this year only. Okay, so uh, yeah, he could go back to Columbus. Uh, as I said, since the offseason, I'm kind of still surprised that Tyler Nagel is still on the roster. And you know, I know he's had some good stretches this year where he's hit the ball well, but overall, I don't see how he's a long-term solution for this team, especially when you have guys like 
Mercado and even Greg Allen to extent to an extent, even though I know he hasn't hit as well this year, I think he still offers more upside than Naquin does at this point. And then if, uh, Mercado offers far more upside than Naquin does at this point. So I would think that he should be a candidate to be called up and give Greg Allen some more playing time. Uh, how do you see if Mercado is a guy who gets called up? What do you see them uh, doing with him? I mean, he's a right-handed bat, something they desperately need, not only in the outfield, but just on this team and in this lineup in general. What kind of role do you see Oscar Mercado playing if the Indians opt to call him up while he's uh, hitting the ball well? Yeah, I think it depends on who goes down. So if, if Tyler Naquin ends up being the guy option, you basically can have Carl Gonzalez be almost your full-time DH, and you can play him in the field once a week and give someone else a rest in DH. Then your outfield becomes uh, Bowers and left, Martin and center, and Mercado in right field. I don't know how much right field he's played this year. I'm trying to get, look, look at it now. It looks like he's not played... Uh, any right field. Oh, he did play a game in right field this year and three games in left. So, and Jake Bowers played some right field last year in Tampa Bay. So I don't know how they'll flip that around, but it looks like they're setting him for left field. But I mean, in the past, okay, so right field is the position Mercado has played the least amount um, in his minor league history. I don't know. I don't think they would move Martin out of center field for that. So maybe they're, going to go with the logic of, well, there's no place for Mercado if, you know, there's no place to play, but I don't know. If he can play center field, he can play right field. That's how I feel. So maybe that's where he belongs. Yeah, and I think that in the long run that uh, Mercado should be the long-term uh, center field option for the Indians. I mean, I made the bold prediction saying that when they got both Mercado and Daniel Johnson uh, over late last season and then in the offseason, I this offseason, I said that uh, Mercado was going to be your future center fielder and Johnson was going to be your future right fielder. And I think those two fit those roles very well. And they're both on uh, good trajectories to become that. And uh, if Mercado makes his big league debut coming up soon, Johnson shouldn't be too far behind. I mean, he might not see much big league time this year, but as soon as next year, we should see... Uh, Johnson up in Cleveland at, in a uh, regular role, just based on how much, how long of a look he got in spring training, along with Mercado, and you know I know he's not he he hasn't played as much Triple A ball if if any at this point, but um, I think that between him and Mercado, you're looking at two long term uh, options for the tribe in the outfield. But uh, as for Mercado at this point. I think that uh, it comes down to, as you said, who goes down. But um, if if they want to call him up, they have to make sure to get him regular at-bats because they can't give him the Greg Allen treatment of just playing him every once in a while and maybe once a platoon split against lefties like a couple once or twice a week. Uh, He can't be called up to just sit on the bench. He needs to be in a somewhat regular role, either a regular platoon role in right field or in center field. Uh, I, as good as he's hitting in, in Columbus right now, and I know people are clamoring for him to be called up, he needs to be playing every day. And, you know, we know that Terry Francona is very slow to warm up to some rookies, although he seemed to uh, 
like to see a lot of Mercado in spring training, so I'm I'm thinking that he likes what he sees there, so maybe he'll get some leeway there. But I think that Mercado needs just bottom line, he just needs to play regularly. So uh hopefully if the Indians call him up they do play him regularly. Um kind of circling back to what we talked about at the start of both Lindor being activated from the in- injured list. Uh, the back end of that transaction was Hanley Ramirez being designated for assignment, which uh, I th- I'm i okay with. I mean, nothing against Hanley personally, but he was batting a buck 84. He had a 625 OPS. He started out the season well. He had two home runs within the first few games, but hasn't done much of anything since then. And I think that you know, when they traded away Ed, Edwin uh, Encarnacion in the offseason, I thought that while Encarnacion was a, definitely a, a good veteran player and a nice cleanup hitter to have, I think that it opens up the possibilities of utilizing and maximizing that DH spot. And uh, by bringing in Hanley Ramirez, they kind of just put themselves right back in the same spot they were with uh, Edwin. But... Uh, now with him designated and uh, off the roster, uh, I wonder how the Indians are going to plan to use that DH spot and hopefully use it effectively because, you know, you can use that to get guys some days off uh, without taking them out of the lineup. You can mix in uh, Bowers, uh, Cargo, Santana. There's a lot of possibilities and a lot of flexibility on your roster in your lineup when you have you don't have that uh everyday dh and i think that that's why uh i think it was a good move to move on from hanley ramirez who clearly wasn't uh doing much of anything outside of the first few games of the season so um i'm okay with the move i wish hanley ramirez all the best but i think it's a good move in the long run for the tribe yeah i'm kind of surprised they gave up on Mercado, or not Mercado, sorry, something in Oscar Mercado. Uh, Hanley Ramirez so early. I think it's kind of odd they decided to bring him in and then cut bait that soon. I kind of figured if he was going to make the roster, they were going to try to get him to go as far as they could. And he didn't have a lot of that. I mean, a lot of things were not positive for him. He had a lot of negative indicators in his bad at ball profile from a uh, exit velocity standpoint, uh, swing and miss. You know, all those things weren't very good. I know some people thought like he was like, you know, this year's Uribe, or some people thought he was this year's Mike Napoli. Uh, okay, nobody was going to be Mike Napoli. And Uribe had a little defensive value still at that at that point. Um, also, they were missing Michael Brantley, so they had Jose Ramirez in left field. This year, you know, they had to shoehorn Ramirez in the rosters at DH. And like you said, I, I'm more in favor of having that DH spot open, too, where you can get guys – Days off, especially right now with, with Lindor needing to ease him back in and not play him every day. You can DH him and get him off his feet a little bit and get him back on the, on the, you know, on the field every single day without having to put him at shortstop. Even if that means you're playing, you know, Mike Freeman and, uh, Max Moore off once a week. But, you know, those guys need at bats too. If they're going to be on the roster, you have to get them. I know everybody hates that. Everybody has to play things, but if you're going to have, I, every, every team carries a utility infielder. Now, it'd be great if everybody had a bag Zobrist and, and you had a guy where he could play a couple couple positions a week and, and get in the lineup every day and help the team. But in reality, a lot of teams don't do that, and you can't. And not every team has a guy that good. I mean, 
I would love to see someone like Yu Chang get that role where he plays third base one day, plays shortstop the next day, and plays second base the next day because I think he can help with the bat. But that's not the reality. And I think if, if there's ever a thing where you need to have – if you have to play to give, get, give guys days off and Max Moore has to play, you've got to get him some of the bat so he's not going there once a week and just going over four. I mean, if he's on the roster – you don't want to rely on him and, and have him sit for 20 days and, and not play. That makes no sense, um, even if there are better spot options for him on the roster. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, gives, it kind of benefits everybody all the way around to have that DH spot open. And I think that, you know, we're seeing – well, these players who are uh, aging veterans who don't have much defensive value are still going to be clogging up DH spots around the league. Uh, I think the days of, you know, the David Ortiz, uh, Travis Hafner, uh, those type of guys, uh, Billy Butler, the pure DHs, I think that those have gone by the wayside and teams are better off um, using having that DH spot open that's for like we said to open up that roster flexibility, and uh, it's weird because you know this, the DH was created uh, to add inject more offense to the game, which it has, and you know we're talking about implementing it in the National League, but the the era of the DH uh, of the pure DH uh, really didn't last all that long. I mean, a few decades, and now we're, in, we're at a point where. Uh, people and teams are valuing athleticism and being able to play the field more than just getting uh, those big guys up there who can hit and even though they can't do much of anything else. Uh, the the implementation of the DH in both leagues might happen, but we might not see the actual pure DH uh, in terms of what we've seen the last uh, 20, 30 years anymore. Yeah, I, I definitely think that needs to go. And Carlos Gonzalez probably should be the DH every day right now, just based on defense. But they're going to—I mean, rotating—it's just fine. I definitely think that going forward, unless you have, like you said, unless you have a Bobby Bradley, or unless you have a David Ortiz, who's going to add tons of offensive value, you just keep that open and, and give everyone rest and keep your roster more flexible. All right. So we mentioned Tyler Clippard being. Uh selected from Columbus. Uh, he had pitched in three games. I think he allowed one run, and uh, he was looking pretty sharp overall uh, coming back from that uh, pectoral injury. And now he joins the now he joins the uh, Indians' bullpen, which actually, you know, outside of that horrible game against Atlanta uh, last week where, man, I, I was just so... I actually stayed up and watched that game over the week, over the weekend, and uh, seeing how you know they were up, and then you know the bullpen gave up what was it uh, five runs in the ninth inning to end up losing that game eight to seven against the Braves. I I was just I was already tired. I was just trying to wait and see if the Indians could bullpen could close it out and get that final out. And they, of course, they didn't. By the time they the Braves went ahead, I just turned off the game. I was so frustrated, and just went to sleep. But uh, other than that game, uh, the bullpen has looked pretty solid overall. And you got guys like, of course, Brad Hand, but also uh, Adam Simber, and even Nick Wickren has uh, really rounded into form uh, since joining the Indians. And now you add in. Uh, 
Tyler Clippard, who's a proven late-inning option. This bullpen, you know, it's not an ideal situation. Certainly a far cry from what the Indians had a couple years ago with Andrew Miller, Brian Shaw, Cody Allen in the back of that bullpen. But it, it things could be a lot worse uh, with this bullpen right now. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, they, they, I think they've overperformed. I mean, Dan Otero has found his way back to being the ground ball guy who gives up you know, mostly blue pits and, and bleeders and a couple, the occasional homer. I'm a little worried about Neil Ramirez. He's been good in spots, but he's just not missing a lot of bats. Or he's missing he's missing bats, but he's not. You know, when he doesn't miss bats, it's, he's hitting, allowing home runs. So he's, I feel like he's kind of being a, a three true outcome pitcher. I have to look up and see. I don't think he's walking a lot of guys, but you no, know, he's giving up. Okay, he's giving up some home runs, but he's also struck quite a few guys out. So I'm not sure I feel about him on the roster. And, and yeah, his walk rate is not the same as where it was a year ago. I don't know. I think they could stand and improve from him if, if that's going to keep going that way because he was a home run machine last year. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think they, they've kind of overperformed. Oliver Perez hasn't been quite as good. Tyler Olsen's been kind of up and down. Except for one night, I think Adam Simber has been the best reliever in that entire bullpen. So, that's something to, to like about what's happened so far because Adam Simber obviously wasn't as good as he was in San Diego when he got to Cleveland last year. So seeing him kind of turn things around and prove that the first half of San Diego this rookie year was not a fluke. Um, that's unfortunate John Edwards couldn't stick. I kind of wish they hadn't put Cody Anderson in that spot, but he's you know done some nice things even though it's been in garbage time. You know, he's looked a little bit better as time has gone on. Nick Wickgren has been kind of a savior, too, which is hard for me to believe because when I acquired him, I looked at his numbers and thought he was just another, you know, end-of-the-roster reliever who they had options on that could come up if they needed a fresh arm. He's been pretty good so far. So they definitely overperformed. I still think they need to add a reliever or two. And that could be uh, James Karinchak or Nick Sandlin, and it could be you know, maybe one of those two and then a trade. Right. So, uh, what what do you what are your thoughts on uh, Tyler Clipper joining this roster, and how do you think he slots in? Do you think he they put him right into that uh, eighth inning role behind Brad Hand? Yeah, I totally skipped that over, didn't I? Because uh, that's how that's how I feel about Tyler Clipper. Uh, no, I was actually excited when they signed him. I thought he had a good year last year, and he misses bats and he limits contact pretty well. I would probably guess they'll ease him back in, but I, I mean, they've Nick Wickren pitched his way in eighth inning duty, so. I don't see why Tyler Clippard wouldn't earn the trust of Francona pretty early to set up before maybe Simber. So maybe he becomes your seventh inning guy in front of Simber and uh, Whitgren and Brad Hand. Right, yeah. And uh, I think that if Simber continues to pitch as well as he has, and I was... I wasn't uh, on the panic train with Simber. You know, everybody talks about how you know, because he wasn't so good in Cleveland that, you know, he was he was too – his success in San Diego was too much of a fluke. Maybe Petco Park played a factor. National There's a difference between pitching in the National League versus the American League. But I knew that just based on uh, how Simber pitches and he's got that the, – the funky deception and uh, the funky mechanics uh, that he probably had a good chance as long as he was had – was able to maintain those mechanics consistently that he was going to be – probably pretty good uh, in the long run. He's proving to be that so far this season. And he's young, too, which is great, 
which is great for the Indians because if he uh, continues to uh, grow into this uh, dominant pitcher, he could be a, a long-term late-inning arm for the Tribe, which is great to have. Maybe you know you can move mix him in with guys like Nick Sandlin and. James Karinchak. Oh man, can you imagine Nick Sandlin and uh, and uh, Adam Simber in the same bullpen together? Those two, and, and yeah, James Karinchak. If he came up, that would be a very interesting combination, just because of all the different looks they could yeah. offer. Because you know, Karinchak's that over the top delivery right. where he comes down straight, and then like you said, Simber from they would have three different angles. You would have Simber from off the ground, Sandlin from the side, and Karinchak over the top. Plus. Brad Hand's got a really funky delivery too. The way he delivers the baseball, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, mechanical, uh, a lot of mechanical uh, oddities in that bullpen. But uh, hey, if they, yeah, if they get if they get out, who cares how they who cares how they pitch? Yeah, I, I think that really, I think that's something the Indians have looked to do too. I think that's kind of a strategy, you know, because Robert Broom is another guy that's down in Lynchburg right now that's kind of another side armor. I think the Indians have made it a point to try to give hitters different looks, just given all the things that how hitting is transforming in, in Major League Baseball and all the tools guys have and how they're gearing their swings. I think when you have pitchers who deliver the ball from different iron angles, it really throws things off. I think that's a point the Indians have made to try to experiment with to see if that kind of offsets some of the, the launch angle revolution, so to speak, or the fly ball revolution. Right, so we got Clippard now slotting in in one of those late-inning roles with Hand and Simber and Nick Wickren. Um, you said you think that they'll go in and go out and try to get another arm. Do you think it's going to be an external addition, uh, try to pick up somebody uh, uh, maybe from a struggling team somewhere who's looking to – Looking to cash in, or maybe somebody who maybe they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with somebody who's uh, been previously uh, dominant but is kind of down in their luck, maybe like a Tyler Clippard type. Um, or do they go internally and call up the guys like uh, Sandlin or Karinchak? I think one of those two winds up being on the roster at some point. It just depends on how quickly Sandlin gets excuse me, healthy and back in the swing of things. Or if this newfound command by James Karinczak is, is a real thing, and I think it is. It, it, you know, every game out, he's going out there and throwing out perfect innings and striking at least a batter out in inning. Wouldn't surprise me too if you saw James Hoyt at some point. Remember that's the guy they got last year. Who yeah, they really like from the Astros. Forgotten man, yeah. Yeah, they, I think they kicked him off the forty man roster and they signed re-signed him to a minor league deal in the off season. So he's down. He got hurt again, or he still he had two surgeries. So he's still down in uh, Arizona pitching right now. But I would imagine at some point he'll be back and get into Columbus and you know trying to get healthy and get back in the swing of things. And that's the guy they really liked him, and he was he was a good reliever for Houston. Kind of just didn't have a spot for him on the roster with all their pitching. So I think that's a guy that you could see sometime in June, July. But I wouldn't count out making an impact kind of out of nowhere. All right. Well, let's, I wanted to zero in on Nick Wickren for a second before we moved on. Uh, he's really been pitching well. As you said, he's kind of unexpected. I liked the Nick Wickren pickup personally when I saw him, when I saw they picked him up. I, I was kind of surprised to see the Marlins let him go. Uh, and, you know, last year he 294 ERA and 32 appearances. 
He had 31 strikeouts in 33 and two-thirds innings. Obviously not a huge strikeout guy. Doesn't doesn't uh, stand out as a potential late-inning arm. But, you know, he's he has 127 strikeouts total in 135 and two-thirds innings. Of course, that includes this year. But uh, to go along with a 345 ERA, I... I, th- I thought he was going to be a solid addition, maybe a middle-inning guy at best. I didn't ex- anticipate him be- becoming a, a late-inning type of arm, but here he is, uh, six appearances into his season. Eight innings, four hits, one run. Hasn't walked a batter yet, and he struck out 11 in, in, those, uh, in those eight innings of work. So, uh, Wickren, I mean, is he a guy in your mind who's another one of those who's overperforming or... You know, do you look at him and see? You know, he's only, he's 27 years old, so he's a little bit older, but maybe he could be a late bloomer and uh, slot in as a uh, as uh, late inning arm for uh, the foreseeable future for the Indians. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm kind of waiting and seeing Whitgren. I, I do think to a point he's pitched over his head. Obviously, he's got a a 113 ERA and a 0.50 WHIP and a 199 FIP. That's not going to continue. Um. The swing strike rate, <clears throat> excuse me, is 8.4%. That does not not back up a 39% strikeout rate. So I'm gonna, that's going to come back to earth. He's going to walk guys at some point. He had a, a 10% walk rate last year. That's kind of high for a reliever. Um, you know, maybe his commands improve some. He can cut that a little bit. It's just, it's really weird to watch. I think it must be his arm angle, or the way he releases the ball must be what, what kind of gives him a bit of an edge because – the only throw is 92-93. He's given up a lot of hard contact in his career, and he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't miss bats at a, at a rate where you would think of an eighth-inning guy. So I don't think he's a guy going forward. You could say, okay, this is our new Brian Shaw or whatever, even though I know people don't like Brian Shaw. But, you know, he's not going to be one of those guys where you're going to depend on him for years to come to be your – going to be one of your highest leverage relievers. Maybe he transforms that, like you said. I mean, <clears throat> I didn't think much of Nick Goody when the Indians traded for Nick Goody, but he had a pretty solid 2017. So maybe Nick Wickren's kind of in the same mold. It's just just looking at the underlying stats, I don't see anything there that makes me think that he's going to be this dominant elite, you know, back-end bullpen guy. I think he's just more, like you said, he's more of your sixth or seventh inning guy, and you hope that he can kind of bridge the gaps to your better relievers. We haven't even mentioned Nick Goody in any of this discussion. He's still in he's in Columbus right now, I believe. And I don't think uh, you want to talk about Nick Goody right now. <laughs> yeah, see well, what he's been doing. I don't him. That's this is true. I mean, looking at his numbers right now, eight eight games into the season, he's got an ERA over twelve. He's allowed uh, twelve earned runs on uh, twelve hits and eight two thirds innings. He has struck out eleven, but he has also walked nine. So command obviously not coming back as as quickly as probably we would like. But uh, you know he still looks like the stuff may still be there. It's just a matter of maybe him getting back into uh, maybe him get back to his routines and his groove again. But. Uh, yeah, I mean he's still an, he's not pitching well now, but he's still an option. You can't count him out uh, based on how the Indians have used him uh, the last the last year or so, and uh, I, I would assume they still hold him in some high regard. Yeah, I, I mean I, I don't know if you're ever going to get 2017 Nick Goody back. He was just phenomenal that year, and it didn't look like a fluke. I think it's just the injury. 
Right. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and keep an eye on the rest of this bullpen and how it starts to round into shape. But uh, I want I wanted to mention uh, Carlos Carrasco. He uh, he is scheduled to make his next start following a knee injury scare in his start against uh, Miami. He collided with Neil Walker uh, trying to cover first base. Tell you what, uh, is there a more unlucky pitcher than Carlos Carrasco? I mean, I know this work seems to have worked out in his favor, but between the ball, all the uh, line drives that get hit back his way, and you know, this is I think the second time in his career he's had trouble covering first base and uh, with knee problems. I remember. I think it was against Detroit. He uh, really wrenched his knee bad and, and uh, covering first base, and that put him on the uh, disabled list for a few weeks. And I don't know what what do you make of Carrasco uh, and the seemingly uh, poor run of luck he has sometimes with uh, whether it's line drives or uh, covering first base. I would have to look at, at the play by play for him because. It all, it's, it's, it's probably confirmation bias just because we see it happen sometimes with him. But I almost feel like when he covers first, bad things tend to happen. But like I said, I feel like we only, we only think that because we only remember when he gets hurt covering first. And it's like, it's like Brian Shaw. You don't, people don't remember when he pitched well. They only want to remember the times he pitched bad. And same with Carrasco covering first where it's like, oh, he got hurt again covering first. But I'm sure there's like 99 times he covered first with no issue. But, I, I I can't help but get nervous when I watch him have to cover the bag uh, ground ball for his base because I always feel like something does happen. Uh, was it 2016 against Philadelphia? You know, he missed time in uh, in May because of a hamstring strain covering first base. So, you know, those times obviously do stick out and, and the line tries. I don't know. Just oof, those guys, that's got to stop. He's got to. I don't know if it's it's just getting in a better position when he's done. You know, delivery or what it is but yeah it feels like nobody gets more fluke injuries than than Carrasco on this roster or in baseball in general even though he's not like always hurt like all these times these things happen where you're like okay he's going to be hurt and then he ends up like I mean remember the one time he got hit in the line drive by the jaw uh, yeah was that 20 was that 2015 I think uh yeah against the White Sox I think I think it was uh actually Melky Cabrera who uh Melky Cabrera it was uh, hit that line drive that I think it deflected off his like off his arm and just barely I think that slight deflection saved him from a major injury uh, on I that. only missed one start yeah because uh, at the time it looked like it was he was probably going to be missing months with like we were thinking like his jaw was broken and I don't know it was yeah I, I vividly remember watching like slow motion replays of that and just cringing yeah, so, I mean, he does have a ton of fluke injuries. Hopefully, this isn't a big deal and his knee it really is fine. And I know people are freaking out about how, you know, oh, you didn't even say he's fine, which means he'll be out for the season or something. But <laughs> after he had the MRI, he said he was fine. Everyone pointed the Clevenger thing. Right, Clevenger yeah. before his MRI said he'd make his next start. And then after the MRI, it was like, oops, I won't. They didn't say after the had an MRI. It's a good rule of thumb for all Indians fans, you know. You you might hear the whole uh, he'll be fine and the uh, and like X-rays are come back negative, but until you hear the art the, about the results of the MRI, that's when you really get the answer of what uh, kind of timeline he'd be look 
the said player will be looking at, so that's what I always wait for. So glad to hear Carrasco is not uh, going to miss any time, at least right now. And the MRI came back clean, so... Uh, but yeah, another scary moment there, and with all the injuries they've had so far this year, they just cannot afford another one, especially in the rotation with Clevenger already missing a good portion of the year due to uh, his his upper back strain. Uh, on a more happier note, though, how about the uh, signs of life we're seeing from Jose Ramirez right now? Over the last week, he's batting uh, over 300. He's got a homer, which uh, was in the last game against the Marlins, uh, a double, six RBIs, Five walks versus three strikeouts. He's trying to draw more walks again. And uh, he's got a stolen base. Uh, starting to look like Jose Ramirez again, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, his uh, weight on base is up over finally over Major League average for the season, which is great to see from a guy who was your MVP candidate a year ago. I'm trying to look at some things here, too. I think his uh, chase rate uh, chase rate still kind of up there right now, but it's dipped. It's fluctuated a little bit. He was chasing early in the year, too. I think it's almost the case of him trying to hit his way out of whatever slump he was in last year to a point. But yeah, he's definitely starting to look a little bit better, and I hope, I mean, I hope it wasn't just a you know, a thing against the Marlins, you know, because their pitching is not good, but I hope this is here to stay, but, you know, we'll take what we can get if, if, if things are going to turn around here anytime soon. Right, so uh, it's with Lindor back, and uh, hopefully he'll get in the swing of things too. It'd be great to get both of them uh, swinging it well at the plate, uh, especially now when they're starting to go into games like this series against Houston, where they could really use uh, at least a, a series split to uh, keep them uh, in position atop the AL Central. I mean, I know that they're in good position no matter where. No, Pretty much no matter what in the division, but uh, these key games coming up here are uh, are big ones to really prove, try to prove themselves and prove that they still have what it takes to uh, uh, remain among the top uh, uh, American League uh, contenders. I know that the, on paper they don't seem to be that way, but you know we've seen this we've seen this team uh, and Terry Francona get more from nothing than uh, some of the. Um, highest payrolls in, in the game. So uh, hopefully that getting uh, Ramirez back, getting in the swing of things, getting Lindor back uh, from injury, that will uh, definitely help things move moving forward. Uh, before we get to, of course, what we're all gathered here for today, the Miami Marlins roster challenge, I want to give a shout-out to Jeffrey Rodriguez, who in two start, spot starts coming up to Cleveland, I know he's back in Columbus now, has uh, pitched very well. Uh, he pitched five solid innings last time out in his first spot start. Uh, this time around, I mean, I know it was against the Marlins, but seven innings of one-run ball. Uh, he's looking pretty good and, and, and performed well in the spot starts. You know, I know that we were kind of freaking out before with uh, Adam Plutko still hurt after Mike Clevenger went down, but Rodriguez has definitely stepped up, uh, at least in his first two spot starts in the absence of Clevenger. Yeah, I mean, with, with all the injuries they've had to, yeah, to Clevenger and then Plutko not being the film, Rodriguez has pitched as good as you could hope for early on, and I think I don't think Plutko's going to be back ready to pitch, you know, six innings a game anytime soon, so every time the Indians need a fifth starter over the next few weeks, and, and whenever that starts to become a regular thing, He's going to be the guy going forward until someone else, like maybe Cody Anderson, proves that they're ready for 
more regular duty, but I think the the job is is Rodriguez's to lose um, until they find a more permanent solution. Yep. So uh, I know I know it's a kind of roster manipulation right now. They call it, why they called up Tyler Clippard and then sent Rodriguez back down, get the extra lever in there. But uh, I definitely agree that uh, as the fifth starter spot, especially early on in the year, is kind of as needed. You don't really need to have a permanent fifth starter at this point in the year, but it's definitely, I, I would say that Rodriguez right now is the de facto fifth starter for the Indians moving forward, barring any like further injuries or anything like that, knock on wood, of course. But uh, I think, I, I've liked what I've seen from Rodriguez so far, uh, and I think he's worthy of uh, continuing to keep in that role as the uh, spot fifth starter maybe we'll as the games start uh getting more uh tight tight uh tightly uh contested and uh, we see less off days uh that's when we can see rodriguez up here on a more full-time basis but uh good on him in the meantime uh for pitching well at the, to this point and that brings us Clear to him daniel johnson it's been looking good good early returns the Jan gomes trade i would say Definitely, yeah. Johnson's uh, playing pretty well in Akron right now, and uh, Rodriguez, of course, doing well in in Cleveland and Columbus. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we miss Jan Gomes dearly, but uh, right now it looks like a pretty halfway decent trade for the Indians. But uh, and now it's time to get to that what we've all been waiting for. Uh, Justin's Miami Marlins roster challenge. That's right. In case you didn't tune in last week, uh, we were previewing the upcoming games uh, for the Indians. And we, when we got to the Marlins uh, series, we talked about, you know, who, how the Marlins are quote-unquote rebuilding and uh, otherwise known in better terms as tanking, even though nobody wants to admit it. But uh, they now uh, possess a roster that uh, probably is made up of a lot of players that nobody could name. I mean, there's probably a few major league cast-offs. I mean, that's what Justin has said. I, I've been, I've been on, played it honest this week. I haven't looked up any uh, Marlins roster or stats or anything like that. So I, I'm coming into this fresh, and I want to know. I'm looking forward to guessing, you know, who is on the roster. I mean, at most I know that Neil Walker's on the roster just because he was involved in that collision with Carrasco at first base. But uh, other than that, I'm going to this uh, with, uh, with with fresh with a fresh perspective. So I'm ready to get going on this. And yeah, how uh, many of the game? How much of the two games did you get to see? So that might give some away. Actually, I didn't. I didn't see any of them. Uh, I I was. Uh, what was I doing? I think I was at a Rubber Ducks game. I was at work uh, one day because it was a day game, and right. I think I was covering the Rubber Ducks the other day. So uh, that was uh, that kind of interfered with things. But yeah, I didn't see. I actually did not see any of the, either one of the games. So even better for uh, for this challenge. All right, I got a bunch of names ready to start. All right, let's do this. All right, Tyler Kinney, Marlin or not? <laughs> what was the name again? Tyler Kinney. Jeez. I'm going to say Marlon. Marlon. Okay, you got one right. Billy Anderson. That sounds too made up. I'm going to say not a Marlon. Good catch. That is the pitcher from 
one of the uh, players from Major League Three. That's Billy Downtown Anderson. Dang, I haven't I haven't seen Major League Three in in a while, and for good reason because it's not a great movie. <laughs> yeah, that's why you probably use that one. Mickey Dominguez. I'm gonna say yes. That is not a Marlon. That is a oh. player from played by Wilder Valderrama in Summer Catch. <laughs> Have not seen Summer Catch actually. It's an older movie. I haven't seen much of it either. I, I googled that one. I'll admit I didn't I didn't draw that name out of nowhere. It's just one that I had to look up to, to throw in here. I don't think that uh, one Nick ranks Anderson. among the. I was gonna say I don't think that one ranks among the pantheon of, uh, of great baseball movies. Summer Catch does not. Not for me either. No. So uh, go Mickey ahead. Next one. Mickey Anderson. Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson. I'm gonna say yes. He's a Marlin. He is a Marlin. Also, the name of a former Orlando Magic player. I think. Ah. Uh, probably the Pablo name Lopez. of a lot of people. <laughs> Too generic. Uh, Pablo Lopez. Ah, jeez. This is this could go either way. I'm just gonna say not a Marlin. He is a Marlin. He almost oh, no hit the Indians. Yeah, he had a no hitter going to like five innings, I think, on or four innings on Tuesday. So there you go. That tells you I didn't get. I didn't watch <laughs> any of that game. I was too disgusted by the fact that the Indians got shut out by the Marlins. I didn't even think I looked at the box score. I was, I, I didn't, I didn't even want to look. I didn't know who he was until Tuesday either. So we're on the same same page there. John Dowd. Boy, this is this was worth it because these are tough. Um, not a Marlin. He is not a Marlin. He was the fake Barry Bonds player. On MVP 2005, when uh, he was not allowed to have it because he used in the video game. Oh wow! So, well, video game reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of, of those in here. Um, the next one is Pablo Sanchez. I'm going to say he is because I think I recognize that name. He is not. He is the most famous video game character on Backyard Baseball, though. Oh, okay. Good of I... All right. Well, Pablo Lopez was there, so that's why I threw that in there, because I figured that would be... Gotcha, that's probably what it was. <laughs> All right, Jose Quijada. Are you keeping track of this, by the way, to see how I'm doing? I, 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 I'm I, keeping track, yeah. All right, say that one again. Jose Quijada. Doesn't sound like you can make that up. I'm just going to say yes. Yes, he made his Major League debut against the Indians on Wednesday. All right. <laughs> Owen Grady. Not a Marlin. Not a Marlin. That is Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World. That was inspired, though, by the Marlins had a player on the roster last year named Chris O'Grady. That's why ah. I used that one. Would you have guessed Chris O'Grady? Mm, probably <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're actually doing pretty good so far. You got one, two, three, four, uh, five right. He got more right than wrong. That's good. Jorge Garcia. It sounds it sounds generic, but it also could be a real player. Um, I'm gonna say he is a Marlin. He is not a Marlin. Also, a character in backyard baseball video game. Okay. See, I never played backyard baseball, so I don't know. Yeah, those cards could go around from time to time. They're kind of fun. I got one more of those guys in this list. 
All right, four to go. Uh, Kyle Keller. Uh, he is a Marlin. He is. He's on their 40-man roster, not currently in the big leagues, but uh, good guess. Pete Wheeler. Mm, not a Marlin. Not a Marlin. Backyard baseball as well. Okay, yeah, that sounded too generic. <laughs> Two more. Leon Alexander. Jeez. That sounds like something they would come up with in a movie. But, uh... I'm probably going to regret this. I'm going to go against my gut instinct and say he is a Marlin. He is not. He is in the movie Little Big League. That's the movie where a 10-year-old gets the man. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Although, I'll give you this. Leon Alexander is a former baseball, minor league baseball player who acted in that movie. So, you're half right. (laughs) All right, last one. Jeff Brigham. He is a Marlin. He is a Marlin. He was on the Marlins last year, too. That's okay. I, that's the one I would have been like. I don't know. It sounds like an actor. I wasn't really sure. I I, looked, I, I just use baseball reference to look some of these names up. And uh, let's see. I would have. I wouldn't have guessed Tyler Kinney. I would not have guessed Jeff Brigham, and I would not have guessed Kyle, Kyle Keller. Had I not looked these up, but you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right out of. 14. You got 10 out of 14, so you actually did pretty well. Oh, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Man. That was, a lot of those were just blind guesses. That tells you what the state of the <laughs> Miami Marlins is right now, because, I mean, I, I could, I, I was I was basing that not on actual knowledge of any player in in the league. That was just based on, you know, what sounds fit, made up and what doesn't. Right, yeah. You had to guess just to see. What sounds like a movie character? And those were all video game, baseball video game and movie characters, except for uh, Chris Pratt's Jurassic World character. <laughs> I'm surprised you brought in a, a Jurassic World reference. I was not expecting that. No, I, like I said, it was only because I saw Chris O'Grady on there. I said, okay, Chris O'Grady sounds too easy. Let me mix it up with a, a non-baseball reference. I didn't even. I wasn't even expecting that. Owen Grady didn't even make the connection. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then you said Jurassic World. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Jose Cihad only made his debut on Thursday, and I don't think anybody would have gotten that one. So you took a right, good yeah, but that, that didn't sound like that. That sounded a little too specific to be a made-up name. True. So uh, yeah, that's why I was I went with that one. But uh, if you people played along, any of our listeners played along uh, at home, you can tweet at us your uh, your guest results, which I'm sure all your <laughs> answers are going to be. Uh, 100% factual and uh, honest, but uh, if you did play along and and you want to uh, share your results with us, uh, please tweet at us. I'm at Jake the Baseball, uh, Justin's at JL underscore Baseball, or you can just tweet at the Smoke Signals account at Smoke Signals IBI. We'll be sure to check that out there. But that was fun. I think that was worth it. Waiting a week. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I came up with some good names that we should didn't get all of them right. It would have been kind of boring if you were able to get them all right. Right, so, uh, well, great stuff. I, I definitely appreciate that. Hopefully our listeners did, too, and uh, were as entertained by it as I was. I, I was stumped on some of those, and uh, just blindly guessing, as I said. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, 
nice uh, little lighthearted way to end the show. Before we do, um, just want to preview these upcoming games. Of course, they got the four game set against Houston coming up. Uh, Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole will be squaring off tonight as we record this. And then uh, beyond that, uh, pulling up the pulling up the uh, scoreboard now, seeing what the upcoming matchups are. So we got Bauer versus Cole, and you got Kluber versus uh, Colin McHugh on Friday. Shane Bieber versus Brad Peacock. Hopefully Bieber is uh, a lot better than his last time out. And then uh, Carrasco slated to make his next start, as we said, uh, on Sunday against uh, Wade Miley. And then uh, after an off day Monday, <clears throat> they head to Miami to face the Marlins again. Maybe we should do this challenge again next week. Come up with a few more names. <laughs> Maybe I'll maybe I'll do it to you. Maybe I'll I'll turn the table. Well, you've already seen the roster, so I don't know if it's fair. But uh, that was f- I I think rosters random enough. We can do it again. <laughs> maybe that's just the, you, the way. You throw in some good fake names. I think I'll be thrown off enough to do it again. Hmm, might have to consider that. Uh, so next week's show, uh, we might have to do another Marlins roster challenge. It's it's definitely fun. That that was and. Uh, I know that uh, Miami fans that are already listening to our show, they probably don't appreciate that. And But you know what? Uh, you guys won two World Series uh, in their 20-plus years of existence where the Indians are still uh, waiting after 70-plus years. So uh, you guys can uh, – you guys uh, aren't going to get any sympathy from me. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Justin, it's been a great show today. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, anything you want to plug before we uh, wrap things up? Uh, let's see. Not really. I'm I'm kind of busy this weekend with some other uh, stuff. I won't be writing this weekend except for you're on the farm, and then Monday I'll have the three up, three down column, and then hopefully next captain's homestand, which isn't until uh, May at this point. Actually, I'll hopefully be talking to Ruben Cardenas, and I actually think I'm, I think today or tomorrow or Saturday I'm going to sit down and finally uh, carve out a list for diamonds in the rough. We haven't got that started yet, but hopefully in May we'll get on that. Right, yeah, we'll we'll be getting those going. Uh, as for me, I've got my uh, four thoughts column, which uh, kind of like last week had to retool it a little bit uh, in the writing process based on Oscar Mercado's hot streak and all the the uh, hype that's around him and people clamoring for him to be called up. I figured I'd uh, jot down some thoughts on him and. It, so that that'll be coming up uh, right around the same time this podcast post, probably a little bit after in the early afternoon, and so you can check that out. Uh, check out around the farm. I did the uh, Rubber X notebook uh, this past week, so uh, uh, some good stuff there. Talking about uh, James Karinchak and how well he's been pitching. I actually saw him pitch the other night uh, against uh, Binghamton. Uh, Rubber Ducks won that game. Two nothing, I believe. Yeah, it was two nothing. It's a good pitcher's duel, and Karinchak pitched a shutout inning, struck out a batter, and uh, still has not allowed a hit through eight innings of work. So check out the Roboducks notebook for some thoughts on that on him. And uh, again, the the four thoughts column coming up too, and around the farm on Saturday as well. So uh, other than that, Justin, uh, any final words before we uh, before we uh, depart today? 
Well, here's Houston. Unfortunately, we're recording the night that Bauer and Cole face each other. That's always fun when those two face off. Um, and unfortunately, we have to see Michael Brantley on the other side of the diamond, which is always sad. But it was good to see Josh Tomlin uh, over the weekend when Atlanta was here. Uh, got a chance to say hi to him when he was by the bullpen. He was nice to all the fans that were in, and they gave him a nice little tribute on the scoreboard, and he got a little standing ovation. So that was good to see for know, his time served here, which, you know, a lot of people will unfortunately overlook, but uh, it's nice to see him and it'll be nice to see Michael Brantley and it'll be nice to see Michael Brantley when the Houston comes here in a month as well. Right. And uh, yeah, we definitely wish all the best to Josh Tomlin. It was great to see him back. And uh, he made the joke uh, before that game and that series started saying like, uh, when I walk off the mound after an inning, I'm going to be probably turned to go to the wrong dugout. So, uh, you know, like he had talked to some of his teammates that Jason, he and Jason Kipnis had kind of had a little friendly back and forth. Kipnis saying like he was going to uh, go deep off him. And he almost did. He hit a deep fly ball to right field. Uh, and they had, they had a little friendly exchange when he was running back to the dugout. So it was always, that was funny. You know, the series could have gone better, but that was a nice little moment. Nice to see the Indians give, uh, Tom won the tribute he deserved. Uh, you know, he wasn't the best pitcher, but he was definitely one of the more uh, beloved pitchers, both uh, in, on the field and in that clubhouse. So, uh, well, yeah, we wish him all the best. Uh, great way to end the show, Justin. Uh, great discussion today. Uh, can't wait to uh, see how this Houston series goes. Hopefully the Indians uh, maybe surprise some people and remind them why, remind everybody why they're still uh, playoff contenders and potentially World Series contenders. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to another great week of Indians baseball, hopefully without any more injury issues or anything like that. Uh, But until next time, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at smokesignalsibi where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Don't stop believing.